This episode is sponsored by RSVP. RSVP brings together two established video playback companies into one powerhouse with over 50 years of onset knowledge. The experienced and growing team are all skilled in the latest recording software with up-to-date HD video recording equipment, HD monitors and HD wireless packages. RSVP understand that the requirements for every shoot are different. So for a tailor quote, get in touch at info at rsvp.london. Let's get started. Hola film family, I'm Isusko, your host, aka The Time Scheduler. Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline and the whole team. Wherever you're listening, hope you enjoy. Big love. Right, so, hello film family. Uh, I'm honoured and privileged to have this man in the house with us today on the Film Gods podcast. We met on a short film. Well, it was a long film, but we did four days on a pickup. The longest short film ever. The longest short film ever. So we were out in Wales for Carl Rock, Grapplers. It'll be out sometime 2020. Go and see it. Um, he was everything to everyone. Um, he was my second. He was the line producer. He was the, he, everyone just got in and involved. And as soon as I mentioned about the podcast and he said, yes, I've had a smile on my face. So... Please, sir, introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Thank you for that very, very kind introduction. I am Craig Tui. I am a film producer. Um, okay. what, does that, what does that mean? What that means is uh, I, try to, uh, I try to get stories made. Um, I, okay. fail, I fail more than I succeed. <laughs> um, but basically what I do is I go out there searching for talent and voices that the UK should be championing and I try to get their stories to the screen. So when you say voices, are they writers, directors, is it actors or who is it the whole lot? Yeah, yeah, it's all of that. Um I my my first and foremost go-to is the writer. Okay. I, I believe that um storytellers don't get enough credit mm-hmm. in the world and society. I think I think they're the unsung heroes of everything. When you go, oh I, I watch that new Martin Scorsese movie. He didn't write that fucking thing. Huh. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Nobody knows who the writer is and the writer is everything because they've come up with those characters, they come up with those stories. But I do also champion cinematographers mm-hmm. or musicians or actors, you know, or like, I, you know, I, uh, I, I think of myself as a champion of the talent in this country. Nice. And how do you find them? Do they come to you? Do you search for them? Yeah, I do. I bit do of both? A, yeah, a little bit of both. I speak to my agent. I go to the end of year shows. I read scripts. End of year shows. Unis, uh, so colleges. Rada and, and all of that. I, I've, we'll get into it, but I don't, I don't come from means, so I don't like looking at the privileged because mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, I mean, there's a shitload of talent there. There's a ton oh, of yeah. talent there. But... There's also a, a ton of talent that don't don't get seen. Okay. So I do try to find. I go to, you know, I occasionally go to, you know, shows that are on the fringe, mm-hmm. upstairs in a pub, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a play here or there. I comedy, yeah, drama, like anything, I, theater. I mean, my, my taste is dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like fucking really evil mad shit, mm-hmm. but. 
you know, I've also got a pretty good sense of humour and, yeah, yeah. and I like, you know, I like laughing. In the UK, we seem to do very, very well with comedy. You know, you look at Nighty Night and you look at Phoebe Waller-Bridge and, like, we, we, you seem to be able to come up in the UK if you're funny. Yeah. You don't necessarily get to come up if you're dark and... But when we when someone does come up and they're dark, like Ben Wheatley or Shane Meadows, you know, or Ken Loach or Mike Lee or, or whatever, th- there's just so much talent there. Mm. There's so much talent in the dark side of British life. So I do I do tend to go dark. Is there something more creative with that? Because you've got to. Do you have to make it easier for people to digest if it's. The dark, you know, it's yeah, like easy to write a non-comedy script, but to make something dark and funny. Yeah, it's, it, that's, it, that's really interesting. So I've written, I'm hopefully directing a feature film this year. Like, oh, hello. Yeah, I know, right? Um, called Unloved Ones. And it is, it is so insanely ludicrously dark. Mm. Like, it is, I mean, like, crazy dark. But at the same time, it's really, really funny mm. because... Um, I, you know, I just think that the, the British view of things is inherently ironic. And yeah. I think we see the joke in everything. Mm. So I've written this thing that is just crazy. And my agent is like, Craig, no one is ever going to make, this is crazy. <laughs> but at the same time, she's got a grin on her face because she's yeah. like, it's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny. So how do you go about getting that stuff made then? So do you, <laughs> do you write it? Have you got a writer? Do you ghostwrite yeah, no, it? So I write, I, mm-hmm. I, I write, Writing is my hobby, and yeah. I think I used to be terrible, and I think I'm not terrible now. Okay. No, no one would ever... Just above awful. Yeah, I think yeah, just yeah. above awful. You know, <laughs> 5.1 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so, I, yeah. so I think I'm quite good now. So I've written this thing. This thing is... It's about my relationship with my daughter and about how much I fucked up as a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it comes from a very, very personal place. But I didn't write it to make it. I just wrote it as an exorcism in the same way that we do a podcast. It's yeah. just really, really cathartic. Mm. And then I sent it to my agent and they were like, Craig, this is really good. Wow. Like, this is really, really good. So then I sent it to the Blacklist. You know the Blacklist? No. So the Blacklist is an American organisation mm-hmm. that just read and review scripts. Right. And then every year they say, these are the 10 best things we read this year. So they don't have money attached to them. Yeah. So it's yeah, a way yeah, yeah. to anyone. crowdfund, anyone. whatever. That's right. Amazing. Absolutely anyone. People... Blacklist.com. Blacklist.com. Especially people not represented. So if you have no representation but you think you might have talent, send it to them. And if you don't have talent, they will fucking tell you. Like, they they really... (laughs) I don't know. They really go in. So they read this and they were like, this is great. This is just a solid, solid piece of work. Not a nine out of ten. No, no. Just, this is just solid, solid work. Mm. And uh, so, so my agent said it was solid. And the blacklist said it was solid, so I was like, "Okay, let's let's just try and get this. Let's just try and get, get it off the ground." ground. Yeah. So, that, so that's where I'm at now is trying yeah. to make my own film, which I've never done before because wow. I've always made someone else's. Never directed before, first never directed. Never directed before. Wow. I wouldn't even. I'm not even interested in being a director. The only reason I've attached myself as a director is because it's my story yes. and my vision, and I know what the camera should be doing, and I know what the actors should be doing, and I know where the edits are. Mm-hmm. So it just makes sense to do it. But I have no. I've no dreams of being a director. So I guess where you're at now. Did you just always have this knowledge? Did you go to uni? Did you go to school? Did you read books? What What gets someone to the point where you are now, where they can write a good script? And they can know in their head that 
they can get something off the ground. What's the starting point? So it's a, it's a hilarious, hilarious story. So I grew up in the video shop. Blockbuster? No, or not another one. before Blockbuster even existed. Whoa. Star Time Video. All right. Star Time Video on Barkinside <laughs> High Street. I, I didn't have a great... Um, I didn't have a great experience at home. Okay. Alcoholic father, mentally yep. ill mother, all of that shit. Okay. So I used to go into the video shop, look at the video covers and just imagine what that life was like. Wow. And we are literally talking seven, eight years old. And there was a guy in the shop, Dave, and he used to see me come in again and again and again. And he said to me, he's like, you're always in here. He's like, if you clean the windows and vacuum the, the carpet, I'll give you free movies or do the washing up or, nice. run, or run to the shop for me. Like, yeah, he yeah. just saw, you know, that I was a little bit wayward. So he was just like, just, just help me out because he was a, you know, a bored stoner kid. He was probably like 23 himself. And he was like... He got you to do all the shit he didn't yeah, want. Yeah, do all the things it's I don't like, want to do. Brilliant. I'll give you a free yeah, movie. Yeah, brilliant. So then I was like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to borrow Empire Strikes Back and I want to... And he'd be like, he'd be like, forget that kid. Go watch 2001. Go watch Alien. Go watch... And he really... So you had your own little Yoda. He went... Stoner Yoda. In on me. He went Tarkovsky and wow. Kurosawa. Like, he really, Everyone. really went in, this guy. So I... He was your film school. He was my film school. But way more than that. So I started working in there when I was about seven. Okay. And I was still working in there when I was 21. Nice. Oh, wow. Part of the furniture. It was my, it was my <laughs> everything. And by that point, I'd seen every single film on the shelf except for the Electric Blues. Yeah, I, you yeah. Because they're That's porn. Fine. And yeah, yeah. I'd seen everything in the shop. And then one day, a customer... So we used to have these customers who come in and they'd just fucking talk about movies because mm. we really knew how So just set, the, set, just set the scene. Is it like a corner shot? Is it's it got a... Tiny, like, what's, where, how are we talking? You know, like... Um, you know when you get your keys cut or your yeah. shoe mended? Yeah. It's that little... Tiny. Tiny Five little, people. It is ridiculous how small this thing is. And they only had maybe a thousand movies. They, you know, it's a little mum and pop. But mm. it was, you know, that, that was back in the day before... It was way before Blockbuster happened. Wow. Blockbuster opened up over the road and shut them down eventually. Yeah. But what happened was... We used to have these customers come in and they would talk about movies and they would stay for hours... And there was this one customer, and he came in one day and he was like, I want to offer you a job. And I was like, How old were you? Uh, 22. Okay. It's like, I, I was like, Well, okay, what, what do you do? And he was like, Oh, I'm the head of PR for Disney. <laughs> well, there you go. And he was like, I've never met someone as passionate and knowledgeable about film wow. who's working in a fucking video show. Yeah. So I want to give you a job. So I went to be a junior editor's assistant at Disney. Disney, we're talking Disney. UK. We are talking... Or uh, so you Buena fly Vista, out. Buena Vista. Yeah, yeah. So it was Hammersmith. Hammersmith Roundabout is their building. That's yep. where I started working. I was there for eight years. I ended up in San Francisco. I ended up in LA. I ended up working on big, big movies. But I started out literally teas and coffees. Someone saw... Teas and coffees in Buena Vista. Yeah. Teas and coffees in Buena Vista. Run around. What do you need? Work sir? experience. Go for. Yeah, go for this. Yeah, go yeah. for that. Minimum wage. Yep. What can I do for you, sir? You know, uh, and then just stayed there forever. And they loved me, and they Amazing. treated me extraordinarily well, and and gave me gave me a shot. Gave me a shot that I would never have had. Never have had. And that and that just boils down to you as a kid with a passion. 
that little seed there. Yeah. One dude's gone, all right, clean the window, yeah. watch some films. It just goes to show that you don't need to have to go and be taught film. At all. Because at, actually, at some point, film can just be something that you just love for whatever reason. It doesn't need to be about the, the logistics of the thing and the creativeness of the writing. It's just like, I just really like that film. Completely. Film, film is an, an, uh, um, it's a delivery system for human story. That's nice. all it is. Nice. You know, it really is just yeah. got a story to tell and I need a bunch of people to do it and that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, fil- film school is great and it is brilliant. And I work with people who come out of film school, but... That film school cost them 50 grand in three years of their life. And 50 grand in three years of their life, if they just went and fucking made something, they'd come out with twice the knowledge. They would come out so wiser and they'd have a film, Mm. you know? So it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't get film school. Um, but I do, I do, you know, I it does serve its purpose, but it ain't the best way to learn film. The best way to learn film is watch a bunch of film and talk to a bunch of people who love film. And your, story then about the film like did you just watch every single type of film there was everything I've I'm in love with genres that mm-hmm. people have never even heard of in, right in the late 60s yeah. Italy went mad with violent cop shows and I don't know if it was because of they watched The French Connection and dug it or whatever it was but Italy in the late 60s and early 70s just went mad with crazy violent cop shows and I fucking love those movies. And nobody's ever even... Nobody even Brilliant. knows that's a thing. You know, people have heard the phrase French New Wave. Yeah. But until you've really sat there and watched some Godard uh, and, you know, and watched those films, you're like, there's no one on earth doing this. Mm. This is crazy. These human beings are... You know, those films don't even have plots. They don't even... They just, they just freewheel and roam and you're like... Nobody else is getting a camera and just going, oh, we're going to run through the Louvre and sing a song and, you know, and, and, and it's not going to lead to, uh, it's not going to advance the plot. It's, it's not, not a three-act three structure. It, it's, it's just, just we're gonna, going. It's just going to be, I don't know if you, have you ever seen a movie called The 400 Blows? Oh, no. So, uh, so, oh, my God. Good? Yeah. Worth it? No. Shit. Uh, I won't bother. Kind of overrated. But, um, so, Fran- Francois Truffaut was probably the um, Peter Bradshaw or the Mark Commode of France. Okay. He was the biggest um, film critic in the country. Mm-hmm. And someone said to him... Well, if what you, era are we talking? Uh, 1966, okay. I would say. And someone said to him at, at some event, well, if you think you know fucking so much, go make a movie if you, if you know so much. So he's like, you know what, I will. And he went, and made, he went away and made this movie called The 400 Blows that he, you know, wrote in three days and, yeah. and got the money and directed it. And it is the best film you have ever really? seen in your life. Doing it. Like, just crazy good. And, the, uh, and it, it has this end shot, which is what we were saying, where the camera just goes. It's like, we're just going to follow this kid while he does this thing and it's not going to advance the story, it's not going to advance the character. And, and you're watching it and you're just going, well, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. Mm. And then he released it and at the premiere he was like, see? <laughs> <laughs> Drop mic in credits, didn't even watch That's it. That's like, yeah, see? Told you. you. Told you. Done. And that film invented the French New Wave. Everyone wow. in France who believed themselves to be a bit of a talent, mm. you know, all of them go down, all of that. They watched that and went, oh, okay, all right, we can do that with film, can we? Yeah. 
You know, and it's then, like take the robot, rip it up. Don't even bother with no it. No fucks you go. given. Just yeah. fuck you. I've got a story to tell about a bunch of characters that I love, yeah. and I don't care about your market research. I don't care about yeah. your, you know, the four quadrant audience. It's just like, no, I can tell this story, and it's going to be brilliant. And then, and then we watched it, and we were like, oh yeah. All right, all right, you fucking genius. So, wait, so did you watch this when you were at the news agent? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched this. This guy, this guy was so funny because I was just like, I, you know, I, you know, I want to watch Return of the Jedi. I so, said, Craig, shut up, chill out, watch some French New Wave and and learn about. Right. But you know, and, and he taught me. Kurosawa teaches you about um, you know the family structure and the moral code. The French teach you how to love and lust. The Koreans teach you how to murder someone perfectly. <laughs> and and you know it was yeah it was it was just this film score. And he was like, shut up with that Hollywood bullshit. Forget that. Yeah. Go watch some world cinema. And it totally turned me into the person I am. So you've watched all these films. You get into Buena Vista. Are you scared? Are you nervous? Do you think Jesus, this is a big. Ex- very yeah. like, is there some sort of you that go, oh, I can see myself in ten years' time <coughs> doing foliage for good no, or was it just like a fuck it? They're going to pay me. I'm going to turn up. No, complete and utter imposter syndrome. Totally, I was the only. I was the only person in our town. I think there were 32 people in Buena Vista, UK, when I joined, and I was the only one who didn't go to Oxford or Rada or Lambda. Or, really? Yeah, I was the only one. And so your voice was different. Your attitude was different. Did that? Did that? Did you? Did you kind of go? All right. Well, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to. Did you shy away from it? No, or no, did no. You even, you no, know? I, I would say halfway in between. I would say that I took a long, hard look in the mirror and I said, "You've got yourself somewhere that you were never supposed to be. How do you make this work? Become a little bit more like them, but at the same time, fight your corner, defend mm. yourself, be real." Um, I think I think they Treat liked. Yourself. I think they liked having a bit of a geezer. In the were office. you their friend? Oh, mummy. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, because they're all, you know, they're all very, very privileged people. I don't, you know, if you're going to listen, to this Adam and Phil and, and my dear, dear friends, they'll agree. Yeah. You know that they come from privilege, and I came from fucking nothing. Huh? Um, yeah. Amazing. How long in? How, so, talk to me about your time at. <coughs> Buena Vista slash Disney. Did you have you? Was there much to learn, or did you kind of have all your knowledge from all you watching Didn't the films? Didn't have a fucking clue. Thought I knew. Thought I knew what filmmaking was. Had absolutely no idea. I didn't even. I didn't know. Um, I didn't really know what film was. Mm. You know, actual film, thirty-five millimeter film. You know, when you, you everything's digital now, but it used to be a, a print of film was a twenty kilo monster. You know, like it was six reels of 35mm and you have to carry that around and it, it was a thing that had weight and heft. I didn't know what editing was. I didn't know what um, grading was. I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't have a fucking... Did you do all of that there? I learned it all there. Wow. I really taught... They sent me to... They sent me to Technicolor to learn 35mm process, mm-hmm. how to run a chemical bath, how to lace up a print, how to run... A, an answer negative and an answer positive through a bar. All de- dead language now because mm. no, no, nothing's on film. But they taught me absolutely everything. They sent me on grading courses. They sent me on editing courses. They really, really looked after their staff. What was the so? What was the understanding of 
sending you on things like that? Is that did you say I really I want to be an editor or I want to be in post production or did they just try and give you a basis? Yeah, they, of everything. I think they. I, I don't think it's the same now. I know people who are still there. The the CEO of Disney UK Lee is a very good friend of mine. And Disney's a corporation now. Mm-hmm. It's not a family. Yep. But when I was there, it was definitely a film family. And they wanted everyone to just have the knowledge and love of film mm. because they thought it will make you better at your job if you really, really care about the product. And that was, you know, which I did, which we did. We fucking loved, loved the product. Did you ever get on film sets or were you just mainly in the office dealing no, with edits? No film sets. I was dealing with post-production. I was dealing with... I mean, I was dealing with Harvey Weinstein and Thelma Schumacher and you know these gods Mm. but never went on a film set I remember I was in so I went over to Disney Studios in LA for a a meeting or a trip or whatever and one of the girls over there Brenda who I got on really well with she was walking me around and she said I've been working at Disney on the Disney lot for 12 and a half years and I've never been on a film set wow (laughs) She'd never, and the, and the studios are there. Like, literally, you can't go in there, the security and all yeah. that. She's like, I've never been on a film set. So, yeah, there, yeah, there was maybe that blind spot. Did you ever want to be on set? Or were you, was, it, was it just that you just wanted to be at any sort of job I mean, whatsoever? I, 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 you didn't want to be a director. You never wanted to be the next... Yeah, you know, I'm not in the video shop. Like every every day is paradise to me. I'm like right. going in. I, you know, my friend said I was insufferable at the time because I was like, do you know what I do for a living? <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm going to pick up. I remember I went to pick up Spike Lee from Heathrow Airport to take him to a PR thing, and this was in the days before the mobile phone. And I'm sat there in the cab, and I'm just like, well, I, well, I just this is the best job ever. Oh, Spike like, Lee, fuck you, everyone. Yeah. This is yeah. everything. So I I just wanted to be in film. I just wanted to be around creative geniuses who tell stories in an audiovisual way. And did you find that? Did you yeah, did yeah, you yeah. have did you get everything that you wanted out of it or was there something that you kind of thought I wish I had actually gone into post production. I wish I'd done a little bit more editing. Yeah, no. Um so I left to make my own stories, start my own production company and start getting shit made mm. because after seven and a half eight years it wasn't scratching the inch anymore okay. and I was like oh actually I think I've got the like, oh hi Spike how are you yeah, yeah we're in a yeah, cab yeah. again <laughs> oh, right, yeah, but yeah so it was it wasn't scratching the itch anymore so I left to, to produce which you know is probably a terrible decision but had you done any producing whilst you were there did you have like a basis of knowledge no um, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I did. just one fire into the other brother I love it the <laughs> The um, they set up a UK production facility to make comedy because that's all we do in the UK, mm-hmm. and they put this American girl in charge. It was a team of three: Lucas, who's now at Working Title, and Kristen, and they were trying to make British comedy. And they got sent, time just so I get a sense of I era. I would say two thousand to two thousand and four. Early nineties. Yeah, yep. yeah, and they got sent every single comedy screenplay in the UK mm-hmm. and it was so much that they couldn't deal with it all so they'd throw a bunch to myself and a guy called Michael Wales who's now at Vertigo who's head of sales very very talented guy good friend um, and we would read them and out of probably the 150 scripts I read the only one I ever recommended and said you should think about this was Shaun of the Dead wow and they passed so that was you yeah well they it wasn't passed. they passed they passed 
Because it was an LA girl who was in charge of the budget and she just didn't get it. Didn't get it. So British. It's so it's so quintessentially British that you just wouldn't. Yeah. You just wouldn't get it if you're American and then from LA. It doesn't matter. That's right. And I was like, I was like, no, this is. Trust me, trust me, this is really good. And I was sat next to her at the Empire Award. Yeah, you know Empire Magazine. Yeah, Yeah. So they do awards every year used to get invited to that a lot don't get invited anymore and I was sat next to her when Empire when Empire awarded Shaun of the Dead best British film of the year and she literally just went oh, like just head in the hands just dropped everything and I was just looking at her like yeah we knew yeah we knew yeah we knew we had it yeah. we had it so that's the only one I ever put for everything else I read was garbage um, <laughs> what makes a great script then uh for char- you character yeah unpredictability mm-hmm. and actually being about something. What do you mean? About well, so, something? Um, As in you can feel the director has it or the, the writer has uh, emotion in the script or it is about X, Y and Z and they do X and go to Y and end up at Z? Yeah, no, both. I think if, if I can hear the voice of the creator in pain... I will, I will like it more mm-hmm. than if it's Richard Curtis writing a bunch of gags about the Beatles, mm-hmm. which just violates me. Like, mm-hmm. I, so, so what Richard Curtis did with Yesterday is the exact opposite of what I look for. What I look for is a really unique voice in some kind of pain telling a story that has to be told. Phoebe Waller-Bridge did it with Fleabag, where she's like... I really struggle with reality. Mm. I, I'm a bad friend. I'm a bad daughter. I, you know, I'm lonely and I'm intelligent and funny and I can't process all of that. So here's Fleabag. Nice. When I, you know, that, so that's what I look for. This, this pain, truth, honesty, characters that are unique, funny, original, doing something, you know? Tough. Tough to kind of get that done well it's really hard the, the hardest the hardest thing is when you read it and then you go gonna make this now I've got to go and find a million pounds mm. and you go hey read this it's it's really really awful because <laughs> everything I fall in love with is, is tough to read I'm like hey read about this fucking disaster of a human being who's fucking up all of their relationships mm. can we make this story please and rich people don't identify with that pain mm. because they're, they're successful so you've got to try and convince someone who has lots and lots of money and means to go and make something about everyone they're not. Which I guess is a hard sales pitch because they don't. They, they might don't. just not get it, like the LA, like yeah, the you know, Shaun of the Dead. They just don't get it. They go, I don't, I don't know what you see in this. It's like, well, have you never been in that much pain? They're like, no. 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 My uncle's the, you know, the Duchess of Cornwall. Yeah, You know, they yeah. have... They have nothing in common with the best stories. So do you try and... Do you ever then adjust who you are to get a film made? Yeah, completely. Do you have to then kind of take your story, mould it so that actually the Duchess of, you know, whatever, is actually going to give you the million pounds because, oh, now there is a character in there that I... Yeah, I I absolutely do that. I play the fool. Mm. Like, a, a producer lies for a living. Mm. That's what they do. They tell the agent that they've got the money and they tell the money that they've got the talent and they tell the writer that it's going to happen. <laughs> it's just... It's like every, a spider web Just of... lies. Just <laughs> lies, lies, lies. Um, and occasionally you get to pull it off. But yeah, I, I completely play the fool. 
is it a tough existence then? Yeah, it's, it's impossible. Have you seen the Have you seen the reports? Of the IC uh, um, film and TV channel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nine out of so yeah, so it produces out less than ten thousand pounds a year, and they're all mentally ill. Wow, that's a tough existence. <laughs> Yeah, how are you going to get someone that earns ten million to even yeah, back get you. close to it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is. Yeah, it's a very tough existence. But at the same time, when you pull it off, you know, when you when you land it, best feeling. It's so good, man. When we sit down and we watch Grabblers, we're just going to hug it out, hug it out. and we're going to laugh our asses off. Do you know? What I've I mean? got to be honest. That first scene on that first day, we turned up. We're in North Wales. <laughs> I don't have a team because I haven't. But they've had to go home. It's in in an hour. It's gale force winds. <laughs> it's rain. It's hailstones, and then at the end of the hour, it's decided to snow. And you're like, okay. You were like, I, remember, I remember you were like, hey, Craig, can I get the easy ups? And I was like, are you sure? About that? <laughs> <laughs> like, the easy ups don't oh. stand a fucking chance. They're off all Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy, and the smoke. You know, Matt Strange going, yeah, that's okay, with this big white strip. And we're just like, no, get in the bracket. And then your director's <laughs> cutting his hands open because oh, he's diving in the bracket. I mean, that but that's filmmaking. How beautiful. Because like, as soon as it's done, I always say, you know, when people are crying on set, which they are all the time, mm. I'm like, as soon as you have a sleep and a shit and a food, it's going to be hilarious. Mm. It's going to be hilarious. Because it is crazy yeah. what we do. The it next week, crazy. you look back at it and... Even though it's only a line on your CV, yeah. Actually, the emotions, what we put ourselves through, yeah. the energy, and the time it takes for us to then just come back to reality. Because yeah. after even just the, I know it was only four days, but even those four days, they're kind of twelve-hour days, but they're kind of sixteen once you tack on the preamble in the morning for scheduling the the, the thing at the evening. You know, completely. Four, I, six, I, my alarm was set for seven ten every day, mm. and I went to bed at two a.m. Oh. every day for four days for you know fucking minimum wage yeah I loved it yeah it's brilliant I'll do it again but it's mad mm. it is mad filmmaking I, you know I talk to my family because they don't really get it they think I've got some sort of like you know when soldiers just want to go back to Iraq <laughs> like they do <laughs> you know they're like Craig yeah. you've got PTSD I, but there's no other industry on earth where you've got carpenters and seamstresses and hair and makeup people and writers and like just this cacophony of talent mm. all just mucking in together there's no other there's no other experience like it where you just go talent 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 everywhere just talent everywhere yeah. you know all pushing together yeah to just get to that one spot yeah which is director's vision yeah or whatever you're yeah. you know however you you see it yeah when that one person goes action everyone's job has to be reflected in what a lens is looking at it's fucking mental man mm. it's fucking mental because it's not curing cancer it's not flying helicopters it's not you know no. it's just it's just telling someone's vision yeah and they're all just you know, I I, you, I love it. I love it when you see a wardrobe girl or a hair and makeup girl. It's always girls. I'm being sexist, and they run in. And they go, wait, 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 because they've seen something that's letting them down. Yeah. And they're like, fuck you all. I've got to get that collar down. Yeah, yeah. I've got to get. And you're like, you can't hold up the shoe. And they're like, but I care. Yeah, yeah. I care so much <laughs> about that collar. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about it. 
about the colour. Yeah. And they're like, I do. Yeah. I do. I love it, mate. I love it. You're getting bubbly. I can see you. <laughs> you're getting all like, you're getting, but you're it getting does. me tingles. It does. Nothing gives you that buzz, mate. Yeah. Nothing gives you that buzz, especially when it's good. So have you had, has there been a moment in your <coughs> career, a lightning bolt where you've gone, this is it. I'm in the right job or I'm in the right industry. I'm, I'm here. I know this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a few times. I, um, there's a girl called Jennifer Micah that I dug out of obscurity by reading 100 scripts and saw real talent in her script. And I said, I want to employ you to develop a screenplay. And she's gone on to be Oscar nominated. Wow. And she would never have got there had I not read it, seen it, called her, paid her nothing, paid her a grand to mm. develop a screenplay. But she took that screenplay to her agent, got an agent, went to America, you know, and, it, and it all started. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if she, she didn't win the Oscar, but if she had won the Oscar, she'd have stood up there and gone, wouldn't be here if it weren't for Craig. Wow. Um, so that's just that's massive. everything. That is just everything. There's, you know, there's a couple of others. Um, so is helping people your main, do you, is, that, is that what fires you up? Getting talented people exposed is the best feeling in the world. I don't think I'm talented. I don't think I have any talent. I'm an okay writer. I'm a relatively good producer, but I'm not talented. And when you meet people who are talented and they are struggling, you're like, oh my God, how, how are you struggling? So if you give them any exposure, there's another one. I made this short film, sci-fi short film called The Leap. And there's a piece of music at the end where we went to this guy and we were like, we think, we think this guy's going to be able to do it. And he delivers you this Hans Zimmer crazy masterpiece because he's been given an opportunity that yeah. he, he'd never been getting before. We mm. had some shit on SoundCloud and stuff like that and we were like, yeah, we think he can do it. And that piece of music, you know, it's on my playlist. It's, it's just insane. So it's like, yeah, okay, that piece of music exists because we reached out and gave that guy an opportunity. Mm. That's a buzz. Any other... You were saying there's a few lightning bolts. Have you given scriptwriters a chance? Is there's been something that you've done that you've... that kind of suddenly you've gone, yeah, that's it? Yeah, Unloved Ones. Unloved Ones. So the film that I'm trying to raise the money to direct now, I think, is a... is... I think will be the best British film of the year. Good man. I watch... I watch every British movie... Um, because I, I back us and I think we've got a lot of talent and we are terrible at making films. Mm. We make really, really bad films. And last year and the year before, I watched everything and there's some, you know, there's some good stuff out there, but there is nothing great. When I read Unloved Ones, I'm like, yeah, that's better than everything I saw mm. in the UK for the past two years. What makes us, what can give us that edge? Is it, you know, I was having a chat with someone the other day and they're like, the re- like we have to, we are not fighting, but we have a, a massive market in Hollywood that is making films in our language with hundreds upon hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. It's like, how do you compete? You've got to find a niche. Well, then what is our niche? Yeah, so it's, yeah, I mean, absolutely great question. We are a prisoner to the English language mm. because we're competing with America and nobody else is. South Korea's not competing with America. Mexico's not competing. Bollywood, France, yeah. you know. Ex- so insert. we are a prisoner to our own language. I think what Britain does really, really well is NUE, um, 
sarcastic looks at how tough life is. You know, a, a really dark... Everyone goes on about how miserable Ken Loach is, but when you watch his films, they're funny as fuck. Mm. Like, and when you look at, you know, Blackadder and The Young Ones and Ben Elton and, like, we are, we are the funniest people on earth, apart mm. from maybe the Irish. Yeah. Maybe the Irish got us pipped. But we are the funniest people on earth and we're the best educated and we're the most intelligent and we have money. So why we're batting such a poor average in film, it's beyond me. Yeah. It's beyond me. Bad, is it, is it, I guess it can't be a matter of bad script writing because there's probably, and I don't know, I don't know the figures, but there's probably hundreds of great scripts that are being written every year. Yeah. But we're just, we, is it that we're picking the wrong ones because we feel like they're going to make more money? So we're definitely picking the wrong ones. There's a couple of things in play there. Um, the only place you can get money from is the BFI, Film 4, the BBC, and they all, they have mandates. Mm-hmm. So they have mandates that they want to hit and maybe that isn't your script. You know, mm-hmm. that Maybe that isn't a Reservoir Dogs, Quentin Tarantino yep. type thing. The other way to do it is go and get it independently. And the only way you can go and get it independently is by offering tax incentives because the chances of your film actually recouping are very, very slim. So you offer EIS and SEIS. The people who have money to play and have adventure with they want to watch a certain type of film. Mm. And the certain type of film that they want to watch and they will fund, the rest of the world isn't interested in. That you, know, so, you know, a stand-up comedian in Yorkshire whose son has got muscular dystrophy. <laughs> you, know, they, yeah. you know, they want to see stories that they can relate to because mm-hmm. they're dentists and doctors and surgeons and, and they live in the home counties and they've got a little bit of play money. So you can go and find money for the stories that they want to tell, but the rest of the world isn't interested. And the BFI and the BBC and Film 4 will fund things that are difficult for an audience because that's the only way they're going to get funded. So I back those institutions. I think they do wonderful, wonderful work. Under the Skin, have you seen Under the Skin? Um, what's her name? The um, Oh, anyway. Brilliant, brilliant British film. The, yeah. uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Um, wouldn't exist anywhere else. Wouldn't get funded anywhere else because it's such a weird, difficult screenplay. So we, we do that. Those, introdu- those institutions back things that don't have any commerciality so that they can get made. And the people who invest in films only invest in home county stories that they want to see that won't travel anywhere. So we just... We're just not making anything commercial, mm. you know. And the reason we're not is because America are making it here and paying us Mexican wages and, and getting off on how cheap we are and then reaping the benefits. Mm. You know? The Avengers and the... Yeah, 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 all of it. Disney, yeah, essentially. But they're employing everyone, yeah. which is great, and it's great that everyone's working, but it's just export, you know. It's not British stories. And when you see a British story... 1917 is an American movie, mm. but it's a British story. Look how powerful that is. Look how powerful British stories are. They kick your fucking teeth in, yeah. you know? So, you know, 1917 should be an English movie. Would it have been made if it didn't have the Sam Mendes and the no, not a dollars on the... Not a chance. It's like $50 million or something mm. about a guy walking through a minefield. <laughs> <laughs> Never, you put out, yeah. never Simplify, in a million yeah. years. Never in a million years. But it's so, so good. Those are the stories. You know, there's a, there's a Mike Lee movie called Naked mm. that nobody's ever seen. 
that just couldn't be made anywhere else. It's about the quick synopsis. It's about a guy, a Manchester guy, who has to run away from Manchester because he's raped someone and her brother's going to kill him. So wow. he comes down to London. It's 15 million. Go on. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who the fuck makes that movie? Mm. And he's, a, he's the worst monster in the history of cinema, but he's so intelligent and funny and manipulative that you just can't take your eyes off him. And Mike Lee, you know, he just wanted to make a film about bad people because mm. he sees bad people everywhere. Nobody does that. No. Nobody, oh, my, 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 my main protagonist is a rapist who's trying to run away from him. What? Okay. <laughs> let, me write, let me write you a blank check. check. There crazy, you go. Yeah. Crazy. So that is that where we need to go then? Do we just need to... I guess we just need to find billionaires, UK billionaires. We just need to do good work. And I think we need a smarter investment recruitment structure than film for the BBC and the BFI or independent millionaires. Mm. You know, there needs to be some way of supporting British talent where you don't just make it, but then you see it through. You, um, you know, you submit it to festivals. Mm. You design a great poster and a great trailer. You, you lock up those actors and get them on the road and get them talking about it. You know, all these things America do yeah. that we just don't do. We literally make a movie, stick it on a screen and hope someone comes. They don't do that. In America, if you sign on, if you sign on to Avengers, Paul Bettany's a friend of mine, and Paul Bettany signed on to the Avengers, and I sent him Unloved Ones, because I was like, Paul, you'd smash this. And he's like, Craig, I'm locked in for four years. You know, it's just like, if I'm not, if we're not filming, we're on the road. It's like, they, you know, they just have me now. Hmm. And you're just like, wow, nobody does that here, where wow. they just go, hey, Paul Bettany, we think you're a talent, we want you. So this is your buyout, you know, it's probably $5 million. And it's just like, you're not allowed to go and do anything else. And if we've got no work for you, we've got no work for you. But if we call, you've got to come, bro. Yeah, wherever know. it is, to talk to whoever. Anywhere, Japan, whatever. Yeah. It's just like, we got you, this is your buyout. We believe in you and we want you to be ours. We don't do that in the UK. No. The, uh, the BFI do. They did it with Ben Lee Wheatley and Film 4 did it with Shane Meadows. Mm -hmm. The BBC are doing it with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's like you can count it on one hand. Mm. And the talent in this country is just insane. It's there, man. It's ready. Everyone I know is talented. God. We should be making more films. <laughs> we should be making it's more films. It's a million films. quid a time. Yeah. Where right. do you... If you're a multi-millionaire, listen to this. <laughs> Hit my boy up, Craig. <laughs> he needs some cash. Let's get some fucking decent movies made, please. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So what? So you're here. You're writing a script. You're trying to get it made. <coughs> if you were to go back to any stage of the past, whatever, however many years you want to go back, what do you say to yourself? What's your advice? Work harder. Be kinder. Um, it ain't all about you. <laughs> cool. um, I'm, yeah, a kind of socialist thinking, realising that everybody else that you're working with is also going through their own shit mm -hmm. and everyone's really struggling and really trying hard and everyone has the same self-doubts that you have. Um, I've, I've definitely made mistakes in my career. I call people out when maybe it isn't, oh, yeah, I've got a big fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I've made, I've made enemies where yeah. I shouldn't have made enemies. Yeah. You know, I've burnt, I've burnt a few bridges. 
Um, I think the single biggest one would be... So I left Disney for 20th Century Fox. They headhunted me. And 20th Century Fox was just a very, very bad experience. It's not a, nice, it's not a kind company. Mm. And Disney was a very, very kind company. I wish I didn't leave Disney. Everyone that I worked with, the alumni, what we call the class of 99, those people are all trillionaires now. <laughs> you know, they're all... Lee Jury, who pretty much started the same month of me, is the CEO of Disney Europe. Wow. Um, Saul Mahoney, who was my direct boss, is... You know, he's he's bought an island off the coast of Scotland with his redundancy. Like they're all they're all really, really successful. And I left because I was huffing my own farts and I was like, I'm gonna go do other things and mm. I, maybe I shouldn't have left. But at the same time, I was I wasn't producing anything. I was mm. only working on other people's shit. Yeah. And since then I've produced twelve feature films, seven of which I adore. Yeah. You know, so And you wouldn't be here. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have met you. You wouldn't have met me. And like, you know, you'd be on your own <laughs> island. You'd be up for your own island, you know. Yeah, yeah, just like... But actually, do you, would you rather just be in Park Royal? Because this is cool, right? This is This it. is cool. This, this is, is cool. what life is about. This is what life you is about. You don't need to be a trillionaire. No, no. I'll be happy with a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, I'll take, I'll take a million at this point, bro. <laughs> What's really funny, my, my mum said to me... Um, what would you do if you won the lottery? What would you do if you won ten million pounds? Because she wanted to know if I was happy. And I was like, I've made ten films. Yeah. So when that's your thinking, you made it. You're doing all right, aren't you? Yeah, man. You are doing all right. I've made it. Yeah. I won't mean, go that far. But the thing is, you you know, from a you know, we, we very quickly just spoke about what the TV film and TV charity are doing about mental health, and you're like, well. Yes, it's a tough existence of what we do, and there, are, there, there will always be a certain element of, oh Jesus, when am I going to work next? But there's, oh, there's got to be some sort of mental health awareness for those people that are doing a nine to five grind yeah. that yeah. really, yeah. really yeah. don't yeah. like it, That's that really don't like it, and are kind of, you know, if they've got kids, they're only weekend parents, and if, you know, that the, the trade off is that, okay, yes, we have to put up with a lot of insecurity and a lot of God knows where the next job is coming from. But you do, when you wake up, as we did on that film, and you're going out and you're getting something done, there's something zen about it because you can't be fucking worrying about yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, have I left I'm... the gas on the toaster and the thing? You're like, everything that you're doing right then is, <laughs> have I got this from an AD's perspective? It's like, where's the car? How's the thing? How's the cast? Where's the thing? Can I this? Can I that? And you're like... So that was, I mean, that was, you know, I've, I've been on set a thousand times, but these were, these were tough circumstances to mm. work in. And that's why when I did that call out to the producers network, you were so on it. Like you were, so, it, I know this is a you know a wanky little bit, but yeah. you were so on top of when are people eating? Where do we shit? How's that car parking? I think the easy up's gonna blow away. <laughs> Carl shouting at children. Yeah. Like you, I've never seen someone so on fifty things at once, and I can't imagine how you have any time 
to deal with your own shit. Right. You've, you, you know, I miss my wife. I miss my kids. I yeah. don't know. You know, you've got to just. It's just not allowed. You can't even think it's about it. It's not allowed because you have a, a job to do. And yeah, when those nine to five, I mean, every nine, nine to five I know, and I don't know many because I work in film, so everyone I know is a wonderful creative, but I do know a couple of nine to fivers. They smash the cocaine at the weekend. Yeah. Because their life is so non existent. Yeah. It's a grind. They're just like, yeah, I, I don't I don't mean anything to anyone mm. ever. So this weekend I'm just gonna fucking go. Yeah. And as long as I'm in bed by nine PM on a Sunday, I'll be able to make it to work. And two it, coffees, two espressos on the train in and I'm And it will just carry on. Yeah. You know, so, so it's, it's like really interesting. Like if you if I gave someone like that ten million pounds, they're like, I'm leaving my job. Really? And I was having this chat, you know, it's like I said, I, I, it wasn't my mum, but it was a, a, a mate at work, and it was like, yeah, if I won the lottery, I'd still want to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still would want to do this. I wouldn't want to sit at home and do nothing. And no. You know, it was like, I'd love to, I still love to be on film sets. This is a buzz. North Wales is fucking beautiful. Oh, God. Betsy Coed. <laughs> Betsy Coed. It's absolutely Gorgeous. stunning to look at. Highly recommend it if you are into... Um, rain. <laughs> rain and bogs and beautiful vistas and lots of lovely trails and walks and if you've got dogs it's amazing so Do highly you know recommended was, you know what's really funny so I, I you know I was that meditation photo that Hayda took the Buddha yeah, the, the Buddha. Buddha on the rocks so I, st- I stuck that on, fo- on uh, Facebook and it's just me with mm. some rocks in the background three people were like that looks like Betsy Coyd Amazing. And it's just like, oh, that's that's the indelible imprint that, that yeah. has left on you, that you recognise those rocks and you remember those rocks. Film, if it weren't for film, I wouldn't have got there. If I had a nine to five, I wouldn't have gone to Betsy Coy. I wouldn't have met you. We wouldn't right. have been doing this podcast, right. you know? You get to see some cool places. You really do. And you get to meet just the best people. They're all fucking disasters. <laughs> so what's your, so then, you know, cool stories? Yeah, loads. Go on, then. I got the best one you'll ever Come have on. in your fucking life. You ever <laughs> heard of a guy called George Lucas? Uh, rings a bell. I get the stupid name drop. I'll only, <laughs> I'll only do it once. So I was working at 20th Century Fox and we were about to release Star Wars Episode 3, which is a real piece of shit. And okay. it was... Uh, what did you do on it? Just so, just so I got a bit of background. Uh, so I was the head of European um, post-production. So just, Wow, that's uh, a title. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty Hello. I'm pretty Hello. guy. I'm a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if you've met me, but... Um, so I it just... It, uh, all I was it was in charge of getting the prints made, getting them distributed, making sure there were no problems, sync issues and scratches, and mm-hmm. back when the film was filmed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Star Wars Episode Three was going to premiere at the Odeon Leicester Square... And I don't know if you know Leicester Square that well, but next door is the Empire. Mm-hmm. And what they did was the Empire showed Star Wars 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 for competition winners as a, on the premiere day. So back to back? Yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 24 hours. <laughs> the Empire Leicester Square. I know. You, you got to be a, you gotta be a you Star gotta Wars fan. you got to love some Star Wars. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but there are some people out there who like Star Wars. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I was in charge of putting together the premiere, making sure that the print is absolutely pristine, but also making sure that all of the prints are pristine next door. Mm. One, two, three, four, five, six on 35 mil. And that means getting the original negative of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back out of the lab basement. And Where's that? Where's that stored? Oh, bucks. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm allowed to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> tell me offline, let's go. Bucks Laboratory. I don't even know if it's still there because I'm 10 years out and nobody does 35 mil anymore. Anyway, 
get an email from George's people that says George wants to watch them all. He's going to be there. Yeah, so he's going to, he's obviously, they fly him over and he does the intro for Star Wars Episode 3, but he wants to watch them all because it's the first time they've ever cut a new print for Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. So he wants to sit there the day before and watch all six films. So I'm like, yeah, we can make that happen. And he's like, yeah, and he wants you to be there because you're a technician. So in the Empire Leicester Square, me and George Lucas, just two of us, Nobody else, just me and George, sat there. Oh, God. Sat there. <laughs> oh, God. How crazy yeah, How many Star is Wars fans are freaking out right now? Just sat and watched Star Wars 1 to 6 <laughs> together, just me and George. Just me and George. Just me and George. George. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had some box on. <laughs> so and I'm not even a Star Wars fan. <laughs> 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 Didn't give a shit. Oh, God. But yeah. I, was, I was sat there going, yeah, this is probably all right, this isn't it? This is all right. This is probably all right. Yeah. So, so where does one. George like to sit? Is he a front? Is he a front of the room dude with his like no, a cricket? Is an ADD coffee maniac. Mm. He's a, he's a scratchy, itchy. He's just you know the geniuses. Yes. Often struggle to sit still. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. He was, uh, he was lovely. He so was how beautiful. long did you watch? How long were you there for? Nine hours. Do I know? Watch bits of it. And... No, 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 no. You are sat in that seat with him. Star Wars. Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Phantom Menace. Are you giving it one of those? You're like you're nudging. You're like George. Can I go to the toilet? Do you mind if I? I've just I've been busting for the last two films. He's like, there's this bit with Carrie Fisher, and he was like, she's on her period. Just so you know, she's on her period. Oh God! Oh George! (laughs) Oh George! Don't tell me that. There was another thing about Harrison Ford. I can't even remember what it was, but he was just like. He's a total piece of shit. Oh, no. <laughs> but he's not. He's with, yeah, yeah. with love and all that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just sat there going, yeah, I'm just, I'm just watching Star Wars with George Lucas. It's incredible. I know. Is right? he a salt or is he a sweet popcorn man? I guess that's, <laughs> that's my one let's, thing. Let's go in. Let's just let's go just deep. Let's go. get to the real crux of the story. <laughs> he's a 37 coffee man. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. Right? Because, like, how many... And I'm going to put it out there... There is nobody in the history of the planet that has that story. There is. I know this one. I'm like, but I, I hate name dropping. I hate it. But that story's got to be told. That's. That's. I mean, that is. If that's some people's heaven. That's it. I mean, they're done. It's just you know. It's just it's, Disney gave us this access to talent that was just. Off the hook. George, oh, I'm going to do another one. Here we go. George Clooney sent my mum a Christmas card. Stop it. I was working on Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. We just doing the press tour and all oh, yeah. that sort of stuff and just making sure that he got to and from the hotel. That Christmas, he sent a card to my mum going, met your son over the summer, worked with him on Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. That kid's mint. Merry Christmas, George, oh, George wow. Clooney. Merry George Christmas. Cl- it's, it's now laminated. Yeah, of course it it's is. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. She, and she was like, did you send that? Is that a joke? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking if about. If you did, big, <laughs> right. big kudos. That's amazing. I, I, wish, I wish I had that imagination. I really did. But he's, you know, George Clooney is just one of those... Type of dudes. He strikes it. I don't know. Just I've never met him, but that's... Just the nicest, most human. So uh, there's two. I won't do it anymore. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, look, we're kind of getting close to the hour mark. So at this point, I tend to just see if there's any one that you want to give a shout out to, any personal projects, any other people's projects that you want to kind of tell the listeners about. 
Yeah, I uh, so I'm going to direct my directorial debut that I've written this year on Loved Ones, which I think is a really, really fucking solid piece of work. It's a nasty film. It's about a father's difficult relationship with his daughter, um, but I really believe in it. So if people are invested in that, um, I would also probably give a shout out to uh, a guy called Oscar Sharp, who is a writer director who is the most talented human being I've ever met in my life. He's BAFTA nominated for some shorts, but he hasn't made a feature yet. Has he got a website? It, probably. Like OscarSharp.com or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I, if you if you Google Oscar Sharp um, sign language. Okay. Or the Carmen line, two of his short films. You, you will see probably the best two short films you've ever seen in your entire life. Signed to anyone? Sign language. Oh yeah, he's with he's with WME. He's on his way, but he's not on his way. So he's he's being looked after by Damon Lindelof, and he's being mentored by Aronofsky. But it's been years now, and still nothing's been made. Mm-hmm. And when I look at him, I'm just like, well, what chance did any of the rest of us have? Because you're so fucking talented and you're not getting the money. Um, so I think Oscar Sharp is probably the best of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Amazing. Any final thoughts? Thank you. Pleasure. Had fun. Good. I did. I fucking loved every minute of it. <laughs> if you do like what you've heard today, Craig does have his own podcast, Leaving Las Craigas. I've listened to, I think, three or four of them now and have absolutely enjoyed every single one. The one about the mosh pit, totally agree. Like absolutely, totally agree. You know, we we, we I, our, our love started. Yeah, our, our conversation started on on the film that we just did, and it started off with music. And that's you know partly the film industry. It's like you either talk about sport, you talk about music, or yeah. you can talk about film. You know, and our love for music kind of sparked a little something on that, which is why I'm pleased that we're you're here doing this with me. Um, but yes, leaving Las Vegas. Um, some of them are like 20 minute half yeah, hour they're nothing you know it's not a three hour Joe I have, Rogan I have a chat and I run yeah. out of steam and we stop yeah <laughs> um, but really really thank you for coming and, and giving up your time and hopefully the film students and runners and people that listen to this get as much out of it as I have having a chat so, with I, so that's one other thing I would say if you have a question email me wow. I'm, I'm such an open book so it's craigpaultui at gmail.com if I'll you, put it in the link below yeah, as well yeah, yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Honestly, just reach out with any question. There's no stupid questions. Boom. What a ledge. Well, look, on that note, ladies and gents, go to thetimescheduler.com. The podcasts are going to be there. There's some YouTube videos I'm going to be making about getting in and second in and working with kids and that kind of stuff. So please check it out. Subscribe. Send it to your friends um, and anyone that you think it might be useful for. And until we meet again, that's a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film Gods Podcast. This episode is sponsored by RSVP. RSVP brings together two established video playback companies into one powerhouse with over 50 years of onset knowledge. The experienced and growing team are all skilled in the latest recording software with up-to-date HD video recording equipment, HD monitors and HD wireless packages. RSVP understand that the requirements for every shoot are different. So for a Taylor quote, get in touch at info at rsvp.london.